If you've experienced the cycle of toxic relationships and you're sick and tired of feeling stuck, sad, and lonely, now is the time to heal and create your best life. In this podcast, you'll hear world-class toxic relationship recovery expert Stephanie McPhail sharing the support, guidance, and tools you need so you can be truly happy whether you're single or in a relationship. She is the real deal. I should know, she's my wife. Here's your host, Stephanie. Hello and welcome to another episode of Toxic Love Transformation. I'm your host, Stephanie McPhail. And today I am so excited to introduce Veronica Archer, who's got some specialties in narcissistic or healing from narcissistic abuse and also helping co-parents with narcissists. Veronica's transformation path began after leaving a marriage of 16 years where she had experienced gaslighting and narcissistic trauma, which left her with chronic illness and riddled with pain from migraines and fibromyalgia. Since then, she has began Veronica Archer International, where she uses a combination of intuitive guidance, quantum healing, and transformative coaching to guide high achievers to break free from the long-term effects of narcissistic trauma. Thank you so much, Veronica. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about what got you so motivated, what got you so excited about helping people to heal from narcissistic abuse? Yeah, thank you. So when I first left my marriage of 16 years, as you just mentioned, I actually didn't know about narcissism or gaslighting. And when I first learned about it, my head like exploded. And I was like, oh, this is what I've been experiencing. In addition to that, most of my life, as you mentioned, I had dealt with all kinds of physical symptoms, depression, anxiety, migraines, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, et cetera, et cetera. And I got to a place where I actually felt healed, I kind of put that word in quotes, but healed from all that in the sense I wasn't having those symptoms, those physical symptoms. And not only that, but I like consistently felt calm and peace and joy. And I kind of started looking around me and realized that most people do not experience that. Most people at best are like flat. Mm. And at worst, <laughs> you know, are experiencing a lot of pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. And I literally did feel like obligated. I was like, oh my gosh, I've like cracked the code to life mm -hmm. and I need to share this with people. And so that's what got me started. And then with narcissistic trauma specifically, it's because as, as you know, it is such a specific type of experience. And when people haven't experienced it, they don't really understand it. I hate to say that, but even like the professionals, therapists and thing like, things like that, so many of my clients come from other modalities and working with practitioners who just don't get it. One client who was told she was like paranoid delusional um, and they were trying to treat her for paranoid delusions rather than believing that the type of stalking she was experiencing was actually real. That's awful. Yeah. So that's why like now I've really become passionate about supporting people with narcissistic trauma specifically, because I've just seen things like that over and over. I currently have someone that I'm working with that is being cyber stalked. And I mean, you might've experienced this also, but what I'm seeing is that people don't believe her at all. Nope. They're like, you're just making all of this up. And she literally is being woken up every single day to her server going down, her passwords being changed. And like, if you didn't understand it, you wouldn't believe that it's possible for someone to get into your life like that. And yep. it makes you feel crazy. It does make you feel crazy. The gas, that's, I mean, gaslighting makes you feel crazy. And actually this person that I just mentioned, 
was also experiencing cyber stalking in addition to other types of stalking. But yeah, the cyber stalking, I think people really just think you're crazy. You know, it's computer glitch, like whatever. Yeah, people don't believe you. And that's, I think the hardest thing about narcissistic trauma is that you're just not believed and there's no help. You go for therapy and you go wherever and there's no help. Well, and there's no help. And so often, even when you try to talk to your friends about it, they don't know how to help. They don't know how to say the right things. And, and they might even tell you that you're making a bigger deal because maybe they know the person and they think they're a great person. They didn't exactly. see what was going on behind closed doors. Exactly. Or they might give you advice that's really damaging. Like, oh, you should just be amicable. You should communicate more. You should communicate in this way. Can't you put the kids first? Things like that, which sound normal and healthy and supportive and maybe a re- quote unquote regular separation, but when you're dealing with emotional abuse, those kinds of things are devastating to hear and even more devastating if you actually implement that advice. Oh, 100%. And I wonder, you know, I had this conversation with someone recently about divorce. And I've heard a lot of people say that people are giving up too easily on marriage. And I get right away defensive when I hear that because I'm thinking, no, I hear a lot of people try really hard to make the marriage work and they stick around way too long. They deal with way too much stress and anxiety because of narcissism. And then I think that our society, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, think that as a whole, even though narcissism is becoming more and more talked about, I think there's still this lack of understanding how hard so many of us try, and normally it's just one of the people that's trying in the, in the marriage, how hard they try. And when they hear that, they feel like maybe they didn't try enough, that maybe there was something wrong with them, that they weren't able to make the relationship work. Absolutely. 100%. People don't understand. I, for one, stayed way too long and tried way too hard. My kids were older. I wish now I'd left when they were younger. But of course, it was like, I stayed for the kids, right? In quotes, stay for the kids. And I think because there isn't physical abuse or something like you were just talking about with the cyber stalking, the abuse is so manipulative and so bizarre that if you talk about it to people, they just either it doesn't sound that bad because it's small things that over and over and over again turn into a big thing, or it's just weird things that don't make sense. And so people don't believe you. And so I think, yeah, a lot of people, you know, the support of the person who's thinking about leaving will be like, oh, well, maybe you should try counseling and maybe you should try this and that. And they see like my ex was a family man, you know, so his image in the community was this very involved dad. And I kept hearing like, oh, you're so lucky. I wish my husband was so involved and he's so good with the kids, which he wasn't, of course, behind closed doors. But Yeah. So I I agree hundred percent. People stay way too long and it is not the case of somebody giving up. In fact, because of the like bizarre, like bonding that you have with this person, people tend to stay way too long in these types of relationships and these emotionally manipulative relationships. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about with having kids, it just adds that other layer. And that's actually one of the things I'm really just so excited to talk to you about. And I'm so excited for our listeners to hear is co-parenting with a narcissist because I did not have children with my ex. So I don't have that personal experience. And there are so many times that clients come and ask me questions like, how do you do it? What do you do when you are with someone who's so selfish, who knows how to manipulate so well, and sometimes even are manipulating the kids to get the kids against the other person? How do you manage that? Like, how do you maneuver co-parenting with someone who doesn't really have that kind of empathy towards anybody else. And it's just all about themselves. Yeah, it is such a devastating thing. I mean, I really, the more I'm doing this work with co-parenting specifically, and we're going to, you're going to notice that I'm going to stop using that word because 
you actually can't co-parent with a narcissist or, or manipulative personality type. But nevertheless, you are trying to co-parent. I think it's one of the most devastating things because it is hugely impactful on the kids and you as the parent can see it. And there is no help. You know, the other parent, most people, most of us, I did this too, and I have clients who are doing it. They try to get the other parent to understand and they're just like beating their head against a brick wall, you know, and the other parent won't. They just, they can't. I think one of the things, if you're listeners, you know, if you're experiencing this and you're listening to this, the one thing I would want you to walk away from today is recognize that you are dealing with a personality disorder. And the reason I say it that way is because when people communicate with this personality type as though they're a regular person, they're like, I'm just telling them about my kids and, you know, what, like trying to come to a decision that's in our best interest, the kid's best interest. They speak to the narcissist the way they would speak to a regular person. And you're not speaking to a regular person. You're speaking to a personality disorder. And so something I said recently that a client said was really helpful was if you were talking to somebody who was a schizophrenic, like a diagnosed schizophrenic, and they had an imaginary person sitting next to them or somebody that you can't see at any rate, and they're having a conversation and they're like, hey, Veronica, Fred wants you to know X, Y, and Z, Fred being the invisible person, right? And you're like, but I don't see Fred. And they're like, no, but Fred wants you to know. And they're probably going to get agitated and, and just say it louder, say it more. And like, would you please listen to me? Fred really wants you to know this. You can't talk to that schizophrenic as though you're talking to, to a regular person. You have to be like, oh, yes, Fred, your invisible friend, you know, but you probably wouldn't even say that, right? But it's like that. The narcissist is having a completely different conversation than you are. And so understanding that you are not talking to a regular person, you're talking to a personality disorder. I don't think that answered your question. I kind of went on a tangent, but <laughs> that just came up for me and it was really important. I love that. But I love that because, and I know you talk about it's more parallel parenting. And I love that description because it, it really, it's not co-parenting, like you said, because the other person doesn't care. Like they don't care about what you're thinking or that the other kids need your support or whatever. That's just all about them. So when someone is having to parallel parents, what can they do to really try to make it as cohesive as possible? Or is it just like impossible to be able to get through to them for there to be any kind of like tag team in parenting? It's impossible. That's the bottom line. It is impossible. However, there are strategies, not like there is hope. Don't freak out. There are strategies that you can implement to support your child. So the really important thing, and I want to share a little bit, if it's okay, about kind of how we came up, we developed this approach, because yes, I think it's pretty funny, <laughs> not funny, but explains a lot. So, so I teach a process along with my colleague, AJ Gajar, who's a child development specialist, and it's neither co-parenting nor parallel parenting. And the way it came about actually was I was working with her on narcissistic trauma recovery. And I, at that time, didn't work specifically with parents. I work with people recovering from long-term effects of emotional abuse. And she mentioned co-parenting. And I was like, wait, are you still co-parenting? And she was like, yes, of course I'm co-parenting. And she's like a co-parenting expert. She's coached people in this for like 10 years. And she was like, I know how to co-parent and I'm going to make this work come hell or high water, you know? And so I was like, no, you can't co-parent with um, a narcissistic personality type. So this was a while ago. So she switched and we implemented some of the things I recommend, but the, the process has developed. And this is what I think is really interesting is that she and I became friends and colleagues after we stopped working together in a coaching dynamic. And what we discovered is that 
there's very little information out there about how to parent with an emotionally manipulative person. The court, the system in most places, now I work with people all over the world, and it's amazing how consistent everything is everywhere, regardless of like culture, religion, socioeconomic background, narcissists are always the same. And one thing that's pretty similar too is this push to co-parent. So if you go to the courts, you go to the system, they're telling you to co-parent. You go to the narcissistic trauma recovery space, and they're probably going to tell you to parallel parent, which is definitely a step in the right direction. What AJ and I figured out is that in the narcissistic trauma recovery space, we focus on the parent, the individual. In her world, in the parenting community, they focus on kids, primarily kids who are not experiencing ongoing trauma. There's almost no place that combines these two worlds and shares how to parent in a way that minimizes the long-term damage to the kids. Because unfortunately, having a narcissistic parent absolutely will result in long-term damage to the kids if it's not mitigated, as you know, Stephanie, in your work. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we were talking about before we started recording that, you know, having worked now with parents and their children and the parents so often will say, I've been able to keep all of the abuse away from my children. They didn't see of how bad things were. And now having worked with the kids too, I it's so obvious. I mean, I knew it, but now experiencing it, we're not protecting our kids the way we'd like to. They're still getting hurt. They're still getting affected. And, you know, then what we see in our work is now you're just moving over the pain to the next generation for them to work on if we don't give them the right support. Now. 100%, 100%. And I'm so excited that you see that and you support people with that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm passionate about helping parents now is because I'm all about breaking the cycle. I'm all about supporting people, creating their legacy, whatever that is for them. And breaking the cycle is not just about healing ourselves. It's not passing it on. And the thing is, your kid, if you have a kid with a narcissistic parent, they are being harmed by that parent, even if you have kept what's happened between you and that parent away from your child, because that child has a narcissistic parent. Mm -hmm. So you asked me what they can do. So there are things you can do. So one is stop fighting your ex and fighting the system to try to get help for your child. Unfortunately, that oftentimes results in a lot more trauma for your kid. The narcissist will almost always win in the system. I'm, I'm sure you've seen that. They're oh, expert yeah. at it. They know how to manipulate everybody. In fact, they sometimes they, they, they know the right people. They can say the right things. They're very charming, charismatic. Oh, yeah. I could, they definitely will win very often. They will oftentimes will win. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so something I hear from parents is like, oh, if I just had full custody and I'm fighting for full custody or I'm fighting for my ex in court, I'm fighting in court for my ex to agree to therapy or, you know, medical interventions and things like that. And as long as you're in the system, unfortunately, you're more than likely giving more control over to the narcissist. So you want to get out of that space except for when it's really necessary. And I'm not saying not to use this, you know, legal system or therapeutic system, because sometimes they're really helpful, but I'm going to give just a little explanation of how to do that. So one thing is to get out of the system. The second thing that's really important is to recognize that your child is experiencing trauma on a regular basis from the other parent, if they have any interaction with that parent at all. And because of that, the kind of support they need from you is actually what AJ has coined as trauma healing parenting. So what that means is we need to validate 
our kids even more. We need to give space for their emotions. They're going to come back from the other parent's house with all kinds of emotions, anger, resentment, not being seen, not being heard. And what I see, what I did incorrectly at first, and what I see a lot of parents do is I want to teach my child how to behave properly. It's not okay to have explosive anger. It's not okay to shout angry words at me. And that's true and valid in one way of parenting. But with these kids, we need to add more validation and more space for these big emotions that they're having. So those are the two things that I would say that someone can start doing right now is just providing more space for your more presence with your kids for them to feel what they feel and then start, stop fighting the ex, get out of the system. I can imagine too that, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how the ex would manipulate you, even just asking your child, are you okay? Did you have a good time at your, you know, the the other parent, whoever that is at their house and them turning around and them saying, look, you're trying to put the kids against me. And again, because they know how to turn things around. Does doing it this way give more opportunity for the kids to just make their own conclusions and be able to work on themselves without the one parent saying, because it's always the one, right? There's the one that's trying to, we might be trying to protect the kids, but in doing so, sometimes there might be something negatively said about the ex and the ex we know is probably saying a whole bunch of negative things. And then all they're seeing is this back and forth going on. Exactly. No, you hit it right there when you said you're giving them um, space to come to their own conclusions. That's the bottom line is you don't want to try to convince your child that the other parent is whatever, you know, a narcissist or something else or manipulative. And yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, like asking questions about the other parent's house. No, that's a normal parenting thing to do. Like if my child comes home from a friend's house. Did you have a good time at, you know, Steve's house? And what did you guys do? And what did you eat for lunch? Did you enjoy the food from a place of like connection and interest? Right. But if you do that about with the other parent, Yes, exactly. It can make the child feel like put in the middle, like you're trying to dig for information, even if you're not asking questions, but just being present. And they'll say something. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, dad didn't whatever. In my case, it was dad. So I'm saying dad, moms are narcissists too. Dad didn't provide him with a razor. I was like, oh, you've got, I noticed you're growing out your facial hairs. My kids were older. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Or, you know, is that intentional? No, dad didn't buy me a razor. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Like that. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, do you need a razor? I do need a razor. Cool. I'm going to put one in your backpack. You know, no questions about the other parent. Why didn't dad buy your razor? Did you ask dad to buy your razor? Like, no, no questions. You hear, you respond to how they're feeling and what they're sharing. And then you support them, the kid. You don't ask any questions about the other parent. Now, I'm just imagining because I know, you know, when we are dealing with a narcissist, there is that piece of us that wants to be defensive, right? We want to be like, I'm the right one. They're the wrong one. And and we do have that because we want to, it's more even to just prove that we know what we're talking about. We didn't make it up because again, they make us question everything. So I could see that this is amazing and so helpful but really shows how important it is for the parent to do their own healing because if 100%. not focus on the other person instead of on really helping their kid like they say they want to do 100% and we have a three part process and the first part is is working on yourself and healing yourself mm-hmm. you have to be free from your own triggers and your own trauma so that when they talk about the other parent you're not getting defensive or if you are defensive You can look at that for yourself and process that on your own time, but you're not bringing that into your relationship with your kid. 
That's excellent. And I think that that is, I mean, that's key, whether you have kids or not. I mean, we have to be able to heal in order to have any future relationships that are healthy with anybody. Because if we don't, we carry that baggage into the next relationship. And it could just be a friendship. It could be anything. And some of that anger and frustration and lack of trust and all those things that being with a narcissist brings up will follow us if we don't heal it. And again, it it ends up being kind of some of those feelings are kind of covert. We might not always realize how strongly we're feeling them until we have to interact with someone like with kids or with a newfound friend or relationship. And then those automatic beliefs that we have start coming up and rearing their ugly heads until we do the work. Absolutely. And that's why this work is so important. The work that you do and, you know, other people, that's the first step in the gift of having a narcissistic ex and the gift of having a narcissistic parent is that if you're able to support your child in navigating this challenge of having a narcissistic parent, you can teach them or show them what healthy relationships look like and how to be in a healthy relationship, which sounds kind of backwards, like an unhealthy relationship with their narcissistic parent. But they, if they start recognizing like, oh, healthy parents say mom, because in my case, it's mom, mom does it this way. And that feels really good. Dad does it this way. And that doesn't feel good. And you can start validating their own inner knowing about what's right and wrong. Then they can go to other relationships. And the the truth is they're going to meet unhealthy people. Like you just said, whether it's at work, friendships, you know, wherever. And then they can recognize, oh, I recognize this pattern. You know, in my case, my kid's dad that's the same as dad's pattern. I know how to handle that. I know what I don't want that around. So that's the gift there is that you can really teach your child how to navigate those unhealthy people when they meet them in their life. Which is a huge superpower. I mean, that's amazing. If all of us could have gotten that superpower, it'd be a whole different world out there. It would be a whole different world whole different world that's why like let's help the next generation right like exactly we're in the age of narcissism right now it feels like it, it really does and sometimes i say to david i'm like is it just because this is what we do and so we're around it all the time or is it just everywhere because i, I asked that same question <laughs> if someone would like more information i know you had a free gift you wanted to share you know what's that gift and how can they follow you Yeah, thank you, Stephanie. So we are offering a free gift. You've heard me mention just a little bit, this three-part process that we have here that's neither co-parenting nor parallel parenting. It's its own beautiful special mix that heals you and it heals your child and it supports your child in navigating their narcissistic parent. So it's really amazing. We've put together a free masterclass. It's a three-part video and that's the free gift that you have here. So click on that and um, you can get that free masterclass. And then if you're interested, we are starting a paid program that goes into more detail in October. So if that masterclass speaks to you, reach out and you can still register for that program. So, so, so helpful. Thank you so much for coming out and sharing all the information. I really think that this is going to resonate for so many people who are listening, because like I said, there are so many parents that are not sure what to do. And they're just so frustrated and feeling really isolated because again, People don't, they don't have the tools. They go to get help and support and they're not getting it from the people that should be sharing it. So I really appreciate all of the information that you shared. What would be one final thing that you want to share before you go? Ooh, one thing, the things that we've already hit on, which are heal yourself and remember that your child is experiencing trauma on an ongoing basis. So be extra compassionate and extra present 
with your child in that trauma. And that also might mean being extra gracious for yourself because it's really difficult supporting a child who's navigating trauma. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love that. For those of you who are listening, make sure you go over and get that free gift. Go and share and follow Veronica Archer for all the great stuff that she's giving out to people. I mean, she really is a just a vault of information. So definitely go and check out all of her resources. It was great hanging out with you, Veronica. Thank you again for sharing. And never forget, you are way stronger than you realize. See you next episode. So that's it for today's episode of Toxic Love Podcast. Head on over to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your shows. One lucky listener every single week who subscribes and posts a review on iTunes will be entered for a chance to win the grand prize VIP drawing with Stephanie McPhail herself. Be sure to head on over to ToxicLovePodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Stephanie's gift. And join us next time.